Welcome to Intentional Buck. I'm Lou Landers. You can find me on Twitter at Landers Talks and all my baseball content at my website at drroto.com. I'm joined here as always by my co-host Mark Mancini. Mark, let everyone know where they can find you and all your work. Well, I'll tell you one thing. They can find us sweeping the country on Mondays. You and I, baby. Intentional Buck, but Otherwise, it's XM203, Sirius 217, the sports byline, Philadelphia's WWDBAM 860. And then September 12th, I'll start Vero Beach, baby. I'm bringing you with me to do some of those shows. All right, but, man. You just got to let me know. Yeah, and I love the uh, Pittsburgh Pirate Podcast with Tarek Brock. Got up early this morning as Aaron Phoenix. With the Bucks and the Snakes for four. So, uh, yeah, I'm revved up, man. I've been up since 4.30 in the morning waiting for this. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, let's get rolling. We uh, have quite a bit of interesting things to talk about here. Trades we didn't like, wild card races, struggling teams, big rivalry in the NL West. So we'll start with the Dodgers and the Padres and that big rivalry in the NL West. Padres make all those big trades line themselves up for October, line themselves up for a series with the Dodgers in L.A. over the weekend, didn't necessarily go as they would have hoped, at least for the Dodgers. They make a bit of a statement. They sweep the series. They outscored the Padres 20-4 to with a shutout yesterday uh, being Sunday. Now, that doesn't mean the Padres need to hit the panic button by any means. Uh, they're a very good team. They will get Fernando Tatis Jr. back. But not only does it make a big statement for the Dodgers, but you also look at the Padres and suddenly they are a little bit of trouble even in the wild card standings where it looked like, okay, they, you know, they're going to be a sure thing in the wild card, but, you know, the Cardinals play well, the Phillies playing well, Brewers are falling a bit behind, but Padres right now find themselves as the last place team in the playoff picture. Um, of course, they're not going to catch the Dodgers, but they certainly don't want to be looking over their shoulder at anybody else like they weren't last week. So a very interesting development here uh, in the NL West for sure. Well, I'll tell you one thing. When you look at it, the Dodgers have beaten the Padres 17 of 19. Uh, but if I'm the Padres, you're, you're not going to catch them to win the National League West. So let's give the Dodgers a bye, you know, and, and move on from this. But for the next, you know, six weeks or whatever it is in left in the season, you've got to solidify yourself. If you can avoid the Braves in the first round, that's what I want to do if I'm the Padres. Uh, who cares who wins the National League Central? Yeah, you know, that 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 the, if you have to draw a division winner, the last of the division winners, because the top two seeds are going to get the, the bye. If you draw the Cardinals, you haven't shown me that you can beat the Cardinals in all three of those games are going to be in St. Louis. But by that time, the Padres will have Tatis Jr. back. By that time, they can, you know, justify their pitching. By that time, we're going to find a, a Padre team that might be clicking on all cylinders. But you're right. This is crazy to say it. They didn't show up over the weekend in L.A. They, they fell short, but they're getting all these pieces. The pieces that came in here, the Sotos, the Bells, the Drurys, the Haters, they're trying to fluctuate and get these guys ready. Um, and, and, and it's tough, you know, in a week. So You know uh, what? Sometimes, sometimes teams make trades, Mark, and they really explode right out of the gate from these trades. And sometimes they 
have you know a tough first five seven days when they make these trades we'll talk about a team shortly who kind of had the same situation happen with them they're in a bit of a different position than the Padres are uh, but overall yeah certainly wasn't the week they expected when they made all these moves and it's not like they're not in a playoff spot and we both believe the Brewers are kind of pretenders anyways to an extent so I'm not sure they have yeah. to worry about the Brewers passing them but of course where they are in the wild card standings could really um, determine how far they go into the postseason because as you mentioned if the Cardinals win their division the Cardinals would be the three seed looking like the Braves are going to be the four seed so if you're the five seed you get the Braves if you're the six seed you get the Cardinals neither is an easy matchup but if you can move up past some of these teams and maybe get a home playoff um series instead that changes things too right i mean you feel a lot better against the braves if you had to play them if you're getting those games in san diego well not only that you and i have done this show enough where we both said a few weeks ago that the brewers kind of look like the reds of uh, 2020 you know uh, they're going downhill and sliding fast we couldn't figure out the hater the the giants ain't going anywhere so nope the padres aren't going to worry about that now it becomes in these next weeks, uh, it becomes in September a positioning platform. You've got to position yourself to find out, okay, who can we match up with in the playoffs? Who can we draw? We don't want to draw the Braves and then face the Dodgers. You know, that's going to be a tough go of it. And then after that, you might get somebody else, the Mets, with the Grom and Scherzer here. Yeah, well, once but, you're in the playoffs, though, it's a whole different ball game, anyways, right? The good news here for the Padres, though, look at their upcoming schedule. Three against the Giants, not good. Three against the Nationals, even worse. Three against the Marlins, pretty bad. And then four against the Nationals. So that is a really light schedule. That's 13 games. That's a 10-3 and stretch, in my opinion, for the Padres. Worst case, they got to go like 9-4. and And if they do that, uh, you know, you're taking us into the final week of August and they're already in a good spot. And then even then, they get the Guardians who are okay, then they get the Royals who are bad, they get the Giants again. They do have to go to L.A. to begin September, and they have them again. The, the September's not easy, but it's not hard, but the, the rest of the schedule in August is very good. I mean, they have one of the better schedules in the National League for the remainder of August. So this is where they need to make their move over the next two to three weeks and really kind of cement themselves as one of those playoff teams as we expect them to be and maybe even one of the top playoff teams so they can get those home games because that series is is interesting. It's a best of three, which is difficult to begin with because if you lose the first game, you're forced to win two in a row, but you also have to play it in one stadium. And uh, playoff baseball it's always difficult to win on the road. So um, well, definitely yeah. need to make a statement over this next little stretch where they really don't play anyone good. And in fact, they play some really bad teams. The only good competitive team they play in that whole stretch until uh, they get the Dodgers in the beginning of September is the Guardians. Well, and not only that, or you can be like the Phillies and take advantage of that schedule like they did, sweep a four-game series against the Pirates in Pittsburgh and then come back and sweep four against the Nationals in Philadelphia. And, you know, you're 8-0 against those two teams. So, yeah, very, very good point that you bring up. they got to take advantage of the schedule now and position themselves. Forget the Dodgers. Worry about the Dodgers in October. Position yourself to get and draw somebody that's reputable so you can get some home games 
in the playoffs. Yeah, I am with you there. So we talked a lot about the National League and the wild card standings. So let's go over to the American League wild card standings instead. Um, certainly very interesting. I mean, the Yankees and the Astros still with nice leads in their divisions. So, I mean, uh, Astros certainly aren't falling anytime soon. Yankees playing badly. We'll get to that shortly, uh, but still a nice lead. And I would, I mean, even if the Yankees somehow blow this divisional lead, I find it hard to believe them falling out of the playoff picture altogether. So we look, we see the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Mariners right now as the wild card teams. You've got Cleveland and Baltimore two games back. You've got the White Sox three games back. Boston's still hanging around five games back. But really, um, to me, the Cleveland and the White Sox aren't wildcard caliber teams, but they might be division winners still because that's central three teams separated by just three games. So that's going to come down to interdivisional games right there. What we really need to look at is Tampa Bay, Toronto, Seattle, and then maybe Baltimore, if Baltimore can continue to keep things up. How do these teams fare? Where do they end up getting in when it comes to the um, playoff picture? Where do they seed? Because I think we'll probably see Seattle, Tampa, and Toronto as the wildcard teams. Well, Baltimore you know, had a five-game winning streak till the Pirates hammered them yesterday uh, in Baltimore. So when I look at the Orioles today, I mean, when you look at they, they got a series with Toronto coming up here, uh, and that's going to be an interesting series. And then they go to Tampa. So you're going to you're you're going to start to see this week where what we're going to find out about Baltimore. Baltimore could be a year out. They're a dangerous squad. They're knocking on the door. I don't know if they have enough to get in there. And getting rid of Lopez was a stupid move. Getting rid of Mancini was a dumb move. But this is an interesting team here, and the Orioles moving forward uh, from 2023 and beyond. Seattle is another one that was all in on a couple things. You know, we've we, we seen who they've got, Castillo and Rob Ray, to try to, you know, get something to, you know, forget about the Astros. The Rays, I can't figure out. And, 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 and what's going on with the White Sox and Indians? Can the Indians and White Sox win the division where maybe Minnesota comes in here and knocks out Tampa Bay? I think Tampa Bay's a pretender. To, in, in some yeah, form. I think they are. I think if Tampa gets in, it would just be uh, by luck of the fact that someone behind them just doesn't finish the season strongly because they do seem like the weakest link of possible playoff teams right now. I think Seattle and Toronto are far better than they are. Seattle's going to have a better schedule, as we know, because of the divisions. Um, so Tampa is going to have to potentially look over the shoulder at one of those central teams who are also going to have a bit of an easier schedule because Tampa, see Toronto, in my opinion, on paper right now, it might be the best team in the American League East. I know they started slowly and the Yankees started great. Toronto's not a team I would be concerned about whether they're getting in or not. Tampa, on the other hand, even in their easier part of their schedule, they still get the Orioles and the Red Sox, who are not easy wins by any means. So Tampa is going to really have to fight and crawl just to stay in this this playoff. Tampa is going to finish behind Seattle and Toronto. I'd, I'd bet on it and feel very good about it. Well, and, and Toronto is, is dangerous right now. They're coming in hot in Baltimore. They are a tough team. They're starting to pick it up. They picked up Mitch White, the ex-Dodger, to take uh, Ross Stripling's place in that rotation. I like their bats. Toronto is a dangerous team. You know what I said in the beginning of the year and last year. I like San Diego and Toronto for the World Series. I still like Toronto because they're a sleeper 
to the Astros. Yeah, I don't think I don't... Toronto's a World Series team necessarily because I do think they could struggle to beat both the Yankees or the Astros in in October. But they're certainly the best team in the American League behind those two teams. And they could beat those teams as well. But they're certainly the third best team in the AL without question. I think if the season started today and we played a two-month season, Toronto would win the East. Well, and not only that, the Yankees are struggling of late. Yeah. Uh, you've seen what they've lost, I think, five in a row. They, the first time they've been swept since 2007. I mean, this is a By team the Cardinals, that's, yeah. that's really backing into the playoffs now. A lot of tired arms. Clay Holmes is, is, is kind of shot. You got Chapman there. They're just not getting the bats. And no, very inconsistent. Really... On the days where they get pitching, they don't hit. And on the days where they're hitting, they're not pitching. They're not clicking at all right now. And they're one of the teams, them and the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, who are really struggling as of late and slipping. I mean, again, Yankees still a nine-and-a-half game lead in the division, but they have a tough stretch coming up. Seattle, Boston, Tampa, Toronto. Um, let's call it 12 games. It might be 13 games. Um, if they go like four and eight or something, their lead could be down to five games. <laughs> oh, yeah. Over the Jays. So they need to, they need to pick it up again. The Yankees aren't going to miss the playoffs. They're still way too talented, but could they have a complete collapse here and have the Blue Jays take over? Maybe those games first Toronto are obviously going to be very important. I believe they're in Yankee stadium. If that means anything, Yankees have been amazing at home this season but again seattle boston tampa and toronto is not a it's a tough schedule upcoming maybe not with tampa and boston as much but seattle and toronto definitely is and with the brewers um i mean we expected them to be slipping they've been struggling as expected but it's still you know they're now what two games behind the cardinals it's not insurmountable but i think it's going to grow and are they good enough to pass the phillies or the padres i don't think so yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that thing shakes out and everything. And when you, when you look at getting back to the trades and all that, I don't know what the Dodgers did to better themselves. They're just waiting for Trinan and guys like Bueller to come back uh, to solidify themselves. Nope, they get rid of a Mitch White who ate up innings. They bring in a Joey Gallo from the Yankees who, who couldn't even hit his weight there. I know he's a two-time Gold Glove winner, but his best years were in Texas. I mean, yeah, Gallo's actually performed a little bit for the Dodgers, though. Um, I think he's had to get out of New York. I don't even think it was a big market thing. I think it was more so, you know, some guys can't handle New York, and then as he struggled, you know, the fans really get on you there. He's even he even said like they just made him feel terrible. And baseball is a mental game. I mean, anyone in the major leagues has the physical. ability abilities that's why they're there it's how they can perform mentally and i do think gallo struggled but the yankees are another example of a team mark that made all these trades they bring in Tendi, they bring in trevino and montas and efros etc and it's really they really haven't gelled or clicked yet um at, at all similar to that of the padres and getting into some of these trades you mentioned the orioles but I want to talk about um, the Yankees here first because we were just on them. Some of the trades we just didn't really understand or like. I don't understand trading away Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. I like Harrison Bader. Don't get me wrong. Really good defensive center fielder. Great speed. Above average bat. I think he's a good player for October. I think he's a very good player. But you brought it up. These Yankees' arms are tired out. They're struggling. Montgomery's been 
one of their more consistent pitchers. Outside of Cortez and Cole, he's been their third best, most consistent pitcher, especially with Severino on the injured list. So trading him was really a head-scratcher. He dominated them uh, when he faced them. Of course, his first start came against them with the Cardinals. So that was definitely puzzling to me. Were you surprised to see that move? Well, I think you guys got the better end of that deal because I like Bader a lot. I've always liked him with the Cardinals. He's a spark plug. I know he's on the injured reserve list right now, but the Cardinals are, are, are trying to match arms with the Braves and Padres and Dodgers. Montgomery's a really Montgomery. good pitcher, though. He's a yeah. very good pitcher. He's not a strikeout pitcher, but he's a very good pitcher, and right. he's going to be a lot better in St. Louis than he was in New York. Firstly, the competition in that division is nothing in comparison. It's a much better ballpark. Cardinals an elite defense. He's going to have a lot of success there. That was a great move for them. Well, and the Cardinals know how to, tr- tr- you know, take these pitchers and work them to their advantage, just like they know how to take players and, and turn them into decade type of things. We've seen with the you know, Jim Edmonds, the Matt Holidays, the Mark McGuire's. But now the Cardinals bringing Montgomery into that rotation. What do you got? You got Matt's, you got Wainwright. Matt is hurt. Matt is hurt, but Quintana and Montgomery are very good additions for the Cardinals, and that's the difference between the Cardinals and the Brewers. Cardinals went out and made moves to yeah, make themselves better. To be, right? Is that enough to take out the Braves with Freed and and, and, and Strider? And Probably guys like need that? Flaherty. You need Flaherty in that rotation. If you can have Wainwright, Flaherty, and Montgomery, you 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 can win because they have a very good bullpen. Guys that throw tons of gas. They got a great lineup. That's um, yeah. So. Th- the Cardinals are good. I just am very confused by the Yankees' move. I get it. Maybe when Bader comes back, I think he's far better than Aaron Hicks. So I do understand the philosophy. I also understand wanting Judge to be in right field and not in center field. But I feel like they could have traded Tyon or Herman and maybe another yeah. piece instead. Tyon's been slipping. Yeah, you know? uh, they traded away a guy that they need right now, and they don't have him, and the guy they got back isn't helping them right now. That's why I think it was such a head-scratcher. But you mentioned the Orioles, and yeah. So these trades confuse me. I understand that they aren't necessarily ready to win right now necessarily, but they are just two games out. They traded away Mancini, who's a very good hitter, because it's a staple there in Baltimore. They trade away Lopez, one of the best relievers in the American League this year. And if they got back these top prospects and top-end prospect talents for these guys, I would say, you know what? Job well done. Look to next year. But they didn't really get anything back that is so groundbreaking, anything that's necessarily going to make them better in the near future. That's what confuses me the most. Trading them is one thing, but if you're going to trade them, at least make yourself much better moving forward. They didn't do that at all. And Lopez was under contract for two or three more years after this year. So it's really puzzling to me kind of what they did there because if they held tight or even went out and maybe bought a piece, which they could have done without having to give up much, I would think they actually have a chance to get into the playoffs. Now I don't see it and I don't think they got nearly the return they could have gone for Mancini and Lopez. Yeah, no, exactly right. You broke it down perfectly. I don't know what their direction is. I know they got a lot of, you know, they had the number one pick uh, this year in the draft. They got a lot of their stockpiling picks and two. Um, it, it's nice to see the Orioles come back, but you don't want to get rid of a, a, a staple there in Mancini, comeback player of the year last year, stuff like that. You get rid of Lopez. I couldn't quite figure it out, uh, but I'm not going to argue with the direction the Orioles are going because, you know, two, three years from now, this is going to be a team that's going to be reckoned with. 
Oh, yeah, long-term, I still think they look very good, and even as early as next year, I just wish they would have gotten some pieces to help them sooner rather than later. The Angels trading Brandon Marsh was definitely a head-scratcher for me. Uh, You look at this Angels team, we know they do not have really anything in the farm system. If they really wanted to do something smart, trading one of Trout or Otani for a huge haul like like the Nationals did with Soto would have been the right move. Um, that's the way you're going to kind of revamp this organization. But trading away a guy with five more years of control, 24-year-old, great defensive center fielder, nice left-handed swing in Brandon Marsh, makes absolutely no sense. And again, kind of like the Orioles, what did they get back? They got back a catching prospect who might be an average major leaguer at some point. I, I just I don't understand. I love the trade for for the Phillies. A go, great get. They've been struggling in center field. Now they have that shored up for the next five plus years with Marsh. But what are the Angels doing? Why are you trading a twenty four year old who was a top prospect as recently as January of twenty twenty two? Well, because their their general manager is an idiot. Even though he came over from Atlanta and Perry Manassian, the guy's a complete idiot. You, you saw what he did. He got rid of Upton. He, he cut ties with Pujols. He got rid of Joe Madden there, who was, was a stability force. You know, they bring in a, 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 a Nevin there who's done nothing. Instead of getting rid of, like you said, Trout and Otani for a haul of guys, you get rid of a guy. Even one of the two. Who, get rid of one of the two now. See the haul well, you right, get. And, and Marsh, Marsh will fit Philly. That style will fit Philly. Syndergaard comes over now, and, you know, and fits. Well, Philly. that was actually a good him. move by the Angels, though. They had to move him because he was a pending free agent. They got something for him. That was well, actually a move they had to make. Now with Wheeler and, and, and Nola and give him something in the playoffs here. Absolutely. I, I, just, I just don't understand the Angels. I mean, they're afraid to pull a trigger on Otani to get a cachet of guys. They're afraid to pull a trigger and, on Trout. And, Mark, they had the bar set, too. I mean, they saw what what was given for Soto, they need, they, now they know. They go out there and basically they get the exact same amount of, of talent going back. I know Soto's younger, I, I but think, Soto doesn't pitch Anaheim and hit. Stadium, you know what, uh, Lou? I think Anaheim Stadium is part of Disneyland. I just don't know what adventure land or fantasy land it is yet. We'll have to figure out what it is. But definitely Anaheim Stadium is part of Disneyland. Yeah, um, definitely puzzling move. So another move here, which you actually called, Mark, last week, and I shut you down so fast. I was so dead wrong on this. You brought up the Brewers going to break up the Williams-Hater situation. I was like, no way, not happening. I was wrong. They went out there. They trade Josh Hader, shockingly. And this is a move I just cannot wrap my head around. I know the Brewers are a small market team. I know they probably weren't going to be able to pay Hater down the line. They brought in some pieces here, there, whatever it might be. But let's be real. Hater not only was one of the best relievers in baseball, and they need that right now, but he was also a kind of a centerpiece of this whole team, this whole clubhouse. You could tell the Brewers were all almost deflated when they knew that Hater was traded, and they've been playing that way since. And I think it's one of those situations where um, – Instead of addition by subtraction because of their ability to bring in pieces, it was subtraction by subtraction. Yeah, well, I said this. When I look at Hater, he reminds me of a younger uh, Arales Chapman. He reminds me of a Goose Gossage, somebody that comes in and throws heat. If you remember a few years ago, the Dodgers went into Milwaukee for that playoff game, and Hater came in there and just blew them lights out. So, I mean... 
the, the pull that trigger and to get Rogers, who had blown seven saves in San Diego, who cares how many he saved there? He just wasn't going to be the overwhelming uh, uh, dominant reliever that the Padres needed to, to, to secure the World Series. Nope. They needed somebody like Hader who was lights out. And the, the, the other thing that Brewers did uh, was getting rid of Denilson Lamette. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah, if you're you know, going to tr- get Lamette in that trade, don't DFA him. Keep him around. He's got a good arm. Yeah, and Colorado Pete picks him up. And I'm saying to myself, why would you get rid of a guy in 2020? He was something else. Yeah, he's had a little, he's 30 years old. And he's had a, a rough go of it in San Diego. But let, let's combine him and use him in a setup role of Devin Williams there. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And again, they got some decent prospect return. In the, in the trade, and that might work out for them. But, I mean, as you said, they're going downhill. They're not getting better moving forward. This is another one of those opportunities this year where they had a chance to contend this year because of those top three starters, because of the back end of that bullpen. And now suddenly they look like the team on the outside looking in of the NL playoff pictures. So you trade Hayter, you may not even make the playoffs now, and then you're only going to be getting worse because you don't have the money to spend to improve. And it's not like they went yeah. out there and made improvements at the deadline. They didn't go out there and try and get a Josh Bell or a Nelson Cruz or a David Peralta or whatever it might be. They could have tried to swing a deal with the Red yeah. Sox for J.D. Martinez. Um, something, whatever it might have well, been. Well, even the division of the Cardinals, who I said the Cardinals would end up winning it, and now they're basically conceding it for the next few seasons. They're going to look like the Cincinnati Reds and Chicago Cubs, and now the Cardinals' chief competition is going to be the Pirates moving forward here. Yeah, it might be, and even though you have Burns and you have Woodruff and you have Peralta, if you don't have a bullpen, a good enough bullpen behind them, if you don't have a enough offense it's not going to make a difference look at the the marlins with all their pitching i mean are the brewers that much better than the miami marlins right now i'm not even sure that they are i mean if you put the marlins in the nl central they might have the same number of wins as the brewers do right right now um again good pitching but what else do you got i mean yelich isn't what he used to be Thomas is a good player telez is a good player um Urias is okay. Like they're not a bad team, the Brewers, but they're really not very good. No doubt about it. You're right. They're going like the Reds did. They're going to probably have a fire sale. Try to you know justify to their fan base what they're doing. But I think when you look at uh, like I said, moving forward, the Brewers, Cubs, and Reds are going to figure out who's going to uh, stay out of the cellar in the National League Central. <laughs> well, as long as the Brewers keep those starters around, they'll be better than the Cubs and the Reds. No doubt about it. But, uh, I, yeah, definitely, that might have been the most shocking of them all. I don't like any of the trades we, we mentioned here, but the Brewers trading Hater I think, was the worst of the bunch. I guess we really don't know about the Yankees one until we see Harrison Bader, but it just seems like a really big mistake to get rid of Montgomery and have to be relying on Herman and Tyon right now as your 4-5 and five because they're just simply not good enough, in my opinion. Yeah, it's going to make an interesting stretch run here in the next six weeks or less. Less than that, we're going to find out what teams are made out of as they position themselves in the playoffs. And man, oh man, it's going to get fun for a lot it of cities. Definitely, definitely will. That'll wrap this up, Mark, unless you have any final thoughts, something to add that we didn't hit on. I think you hit on everything, and we found out that you and I uh, realizing that the Giants 
are definitely pretenders. And the, the, oh the yeah, the, they're they're long... they're done. The Giants are 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 toast. Yep, we're gonna figure out you know uh, how long Gabe Kapler is gonna last in San Francisco. He bought himself a year with that 107 win season last year. We'll find out next year uh, when the clock is on him. Let me ask you this, and I don't see it happening. Is there any way Alex Cora is done in Boston after the year? No, I think Alex Cora has proven it himself in Boston. Uh, it's just a tough division. I mean, the divisions are probably the toughest in baseball. So he'll he'll definitely outlast Gabe Kapler. Oh, certainly should outlast Kapler. That's just interesting because they really have had a terrible season, the Red Sox. You take away one month where they were one of the best teams in baseball, and they've underperformed all year. So it's, yeah, it's a lot, definitely... lot of injuries, a lot of uncertainty with Bogarts and, you know, Martinez and some of these other guys. And, you know, so I think he gets definitely a pass because they know they can win with him. Oh, he, he he's definitely a winner. I'm with you there, man. Uh, that'll wrap up today's show. But thanks for tuning in to Intentional Balk. I'm Lou Landers with Mark Mancini. Have a great week and oh, we will catch you next time. Definitely.